Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Breakfast Briefing. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Friday the 5th of November. Gunpowder, treason and plot. Thank God it's Friday. Well, as usual though, with all the information contained in this briefing, it is general advice only. So please do your own research. Contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts ideas or insights in this briefing and if you need to you can always pause the slideshow here and read our disclaimer in full and if you're listening on a podcast then you can head on over to our website marcustoday.com.au and you can read the disclaimer there and if you're not yet a member of the Marcus Today community we'd love to have you on board you can sign up for a free 14-day trial to the newsletter on the website all right well a mixed well not really that mixed session on the u.s markets Pretty positive once again, the Dow Jones being the standout, not so positive, down 0.09%, 33 points to 36,124. But the NASDAQ pushing ever, ever higher, soon going to breach that 16,000 level, up 129 points or 0.81% to 15,940. And the S&P 500 as usual, in the middle for Diddle, up 0.42%, 19 points to 46.80. Once again, U.S. earnings very much in focus. And, of course, the fallout from the Fed, taper light, also playing into investors' minds as bond yields came off uh, substantially. So uh, that was good for markets, especially good for NASDAQ stocks, those high-priced tech stocks which rely on the discounted cash flow uh, formula, including those long-term interest rates. So long-term interest rates coming down. We also saw last night, more importantly, I guess, than the Fed, because uh, that was uh, a couple of days old now news, was the Bank of England came out. And despite the fact that they said they were going to raise rates, or at least Andrew Bailey, the governor, said that that was highly likely, they did nothing. They kept them on hold. So that added to the transitory inflation and no rate rise argument across the board, helping equities higher. We did see the VIX index slightly higher, 2.25%, 1544. Insurance against these record highs still very, very cheap in the US at least. SPY futures showing a gain of 20 points, which will be good for our market, up 0.27%, rounding out the week on a bit of a high. Uh, So that should be good. We had a relatively good day yesterday and a good push towards the end of the day as well. Banks doing especially well, although Westpac still very much in the doghouse. In commodities overnight, oil prices down. Good for inflation in some respects. So uh, we did have the OPEC Plus meeting last night. A very quick, very short, sharp meeting and basically uh, no change to their production uh, upgrades coming. Uh, No change at all. So despite the fact the U.S. has been pushing them to raise production uh, beyond what they'd already committed to, not going to happen. As they said last night, very eloquently, not our problem. Uh, Brent crude down 1.77%, $1.45 to $80.54. WTI back below 80 bucks, $78.81, $2.05 down, 2.54% easier. One of the big winners last night, though, was the gold price. Up $29.60, 1.7% to $17.93.50. The gold price is walloping around between $17.50 and $1,800 at the moment in terms of US dollar pricing. So that is the trading range. So expect to see some profit taking tonight, probably. Highly unlikely it's going to kick on from here. 
Uh, gold has not done too much recently. Iron ore, though, unchanged. Singapore closed yesterday, 99.70. And the Aussie dollar, 73.98, down uh, a little bit again, down another half a cent, 73.98, below 74. So that's also going to help the Aussie dollar gold price, which should uh, be nicely above 2400 where it has been ticking around. In terms of other commodities last night, copper unchanged, nickel up 0.6, aluminium taking a bit of a tumble down 3.4%, zinc down 2.2%, lead falling like a balloon down 0.8%, tin up 0.27% last night. And in terms of international mining company overseas pricing, Freeport down 3.2%, Alcoa down 2.2%, Tech up 0.9%, Anglo-American down 025 Glencore down 04 and Vale down 2.2%. BHP down 1% and Rio down 2% in US ADR terms, but pretty much following our market, no real direction of their own. Here you can see the S&P 500 closing near its highs last night, so good news there as uh, earnings continue to drop, although we did get some after hours, which did disappoint. Peloton got whacked uh, last night. Obviously, people going back to the gym and not cycling in their lounges anymore, so that's really hurt Peloton. I think they were down around 20-25% after hours on the results, and it's hip to be square. was also hit hard, down around 5% in our uh, after hours, uh, the results session for them, they were down 0.2% uh, uh, in normal trade and falling another 5% odd after hours. Other US uh, banks, we had uh, JP Morgan down 1.3, Citicorp down 2.9, and Goldman's down 2.3, Bank of America down 2.2. So US banks coming under some pressure, as you would expect as bond yields came off. Bond yields being higher, usually good for banks because they can uh, sneak their rates up and uh, improve their margins. Major stories last night. The Nasdaq 100 has notched its longest winning run this year, and the S&P 500 up for the sixth straight session on the US markets. Europe is COVID central once again. Cases surging, WHO says, and OPEC Plus tells the world, your energy crisis isn't our problem. Put solution to high oil price in Biden's hands. Not a good place to be. Global food prices are getting closer to a record high, and the Bank of Japan's Kuroda signals no move to rush stimulus exit, even as Fed tapers asset buying. Let's face it, the Bank of Japan hasn't been rushing any stimulus exit for the last 30 years, where it's still got zero inflation and, lot, uh, and pretty much zero growth as well. Pelosi tells the Democrats to anticipate vote on spending bill, even as issues remain outstanding. Shortage of truck drivers exacerbating delivery delays and China's slowing economy intensifies scrutiny on Xi's common prosperity drive. Of course, the big meeting next week in China where President Xi will no doubt be nominated and accept another stretch in charge of the world's second biggest economy. And Saudi Arabia and Russia, more confident higher oil prices won't trigger fast response from the US shale industry. Well, it certainly hasn't so far. So why should anything change? As far as our market goes today, we have the RBA statement on monetary policy coming out at 11.30 and China's third quarter current account with their October trade data. Bank of England keeps rates on hold. 
has shredded its credibility slightly. Andrew Bailey, in the run-up to this big policy decision in the UK, was hinting, in fact more than hinting, that they would raise rates. In the end, they voted 7-2 to two to keep rates on hold. This is despite inflation above 5% in the UK. Square falls 5% on results after hours, obviously implications for afterpay. Q3 Bitcoin revenue was 1.81 billion. 10-year yields in America back down to 1.53, a big, big gap now emerging between America and Australia, 1.82% here. So I would expect to see our rates continue to fall back from those elevated levels we saw last Friday when the RBA basically threw in the towel. Germany are down 0.23%. So those rates are improving uh, for Germany, not improving for borrowers. Uh, Tesla, 1.3% better. Apple, 0.4% worse. Amazon, up 2.8%. The New York Stock Exchange, Fang Plus Index, up 1.3%. And yesterday, the newest ETF to be born, the CRIP, which is the crypto ETF, launched and was an instant success. Now, bear in mind, as I wrote yesterday, CRIP is not an ETF on Bitcoin, Ether, or any of the cryptocurrencies. The ASX is not a fan of ETFs on cryptocurrencies. CRIP is an ETF on companies that are harnessing uh, blockchain and other cutting-edge crypto technologies. So it is uh, on an index of those companies involved, not on crypto. Still a massive success yesterday. OPEC Plus says no to production increases. And REA Group has lifted Q3 free cash flow 29% to $49 million on sales, excluding acquisitions up 22% to $264 million. Westpac has raised its fixed rate mortgages for the second time in three weeks. It's raised its fixed rate mortgages for the second time in three weeks. They are now up 21 basis points to 2.29% owner-occupiers. Given that Westpac has been way behind in the mortgage race, it'll be interesting to see how the others react, but also it has been a highly competitive market in mortgages, and Westpac has been running fourth or even fifth in terms of the big four banks. It has been doing a pretty miserable job there, and the numbers that we saw the other day reflected it, and the fact that it hasn't bounced after falling 10% reflects that as well. Parenti is still pushing for a merger with McMahon, and APA Group has officially, I think, pulled out of the Osnet aspirations. Question today in the Australian newspaper, has IGO lost interest in Western areas, which has been suffering recently? Maybe they've gone off the whole nickel thing. Western areas always has been pretty badly run, I have to say, considering it's one of the pure nickel plays in Australia. And one of the most shorted stocks in Australia, management has been a little bit uh, lacking there. So the theory was that IGO could do a better job, but uh, IGO may not be that interested at the moment. But there could be others waiting to strike. You never know. And talking of waiting to strike, Carlisle Private Equity has made a non-binding offer for Link at around 5.38 cents equivalent. It is cash and shares in PEXA, so it gets a little bit complicated. But uh, certainly it's a big premium to where Link was the other day. And it again shows this consolidation happening in the financial platform sector. We'd expect to see that uh, have a good effect on computer share as well. And lastly, Tom Hanks has turned down a space flight. He was in the queue before 
Captain James T. Kirk of the USS Enterprise, William Shatner, to be one of the first into space, uh, or at least into space with one of the uh, the new billionaire's follies. But uh, he has turned it down. Good on you, Tom. Question of the day today. It's Friday, so a slightly uh, flippant question. But would you pay a fortune for a trip into space? Would you think that it gives you a perspective on the planet that you wouldn't get from down here? Obviously, it'd be a great view. But would it give you a better perspective on the challenges that the planet has at the moment? Bear in mind, we have COP26 at the moment. So would you pay a fortune for a trip into space? And don't forget those on our Facebook discussion group. I've got a little bit of a fun contest going. The nearest the pin for the ASX 200 on Christmas Eve, uh, nearest the pin. I might send someone a little bottle of bubbly to celebrate if they get nearest the pin with that one. So um, it's a bit of fun, and you can enter on the Facebook discussion group. That's it from me today. If you're uh, interested in our podcast, there are four streams now to choose from. You can choose one, two, three, or four if you're really that committed to the Marcus Today. But you can go to the Marcus Today Strategy, the On The Desk podcast where the boys talk about financial things and investment themes, on the couch podcast where it's a slightly more relaxed look talking to some fund managers and maybe some ceos in the pipeline talking about their companies and the prospects and of course there's the breakfast and end of day briefing so you can sign up to any or all of these podcasts through your usual podcast channel but that's it from me today hope you have a great weekend <laughs>